Deep pattern downfield, touchdown Miami. What a throw, Devontae Parker. Holy smokes, what a drive. What is up, Dolphins, and welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins official podcast network covering your team, your Miami Dolphins, each and every day. How's it going, everybody? It is Friday, New Year's Day. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and as always, I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, we're going to go back to the 1990s with the Dolphins and Bills rivalry with John Offerdahl, former Dolphins linebacker. We're going to talk about that rivalry, some of the best games, best moments for him over the course of his career up in Buffalo. Plus, we'll get you the latest on the Dolphins' current injury report and Buffalo's report heading into the Week 17 game as the regular season finale is upon us. All of that and more on this Friday, January, the first edition of the Drive Time Podcast. That's another Miami Dolphins. Let's go ahead and kick this podcast off by getting you the latest on the Dolphins and Bills for Friday from Orchard Park, from Bills Stadium on January 3rd on Sunday. We have the latest injury report on this Friday for you, and it looks like this. Four Dolphins are going to be questionable for the game. Wide receivers Jakeem Grant and Devontae Parker, defensive end Shaq Lawson, and rookie guard Solomon Kinley. All four of those guys will be questionable for the game on Sunday. Buffalo's going to be without three players. Wide receiver Cole Beasley, offensive lineman John Feliciano, and tight end Reggie Gilliam will all miss Sunday's game. And joining me now on the Drive Time Podcast is five-time Pro Bowler, spent all eight of his NFL years with the Miami Dolphins. He is John Offerdahl. John, how are you doing today, sir? Oh, it's good to be on on with you, Travis. I'm doing great. I was looking forward to getting you on. We uh, we were looking back at some of these 90s Buffalo Bills rivalries, and, and you know, Scott yeah. Stone, our buddy here at the Miami Dolphins, said John Offerdahl would be great for it. And I said, we haven't had him on the podcast yet, haven't had a chance to meet him. I would be more than happy to do that. I told you before you came on that I grew up in the 90s, a Dolphins fan, all the way out here in Washington State. But, hey, I would love to talk to John Offerdahl. And the first thing I always ask my guests, the alumni guests, is what's life like now for John Offerdahl? Huh. Well, life is uh, right now in the COVID mode. Yeah, <laughs> It's a little challenging. It is. I'm in the restaurant business, as is some of my uh, other fellow alumni. And uh, the restaurant business has been challenged with COVID-19. But that's a one-year element. Life after football has now been 30 years. I mean, I I played in 85, 95, 105. So, yeah, I, I'm about 27 to 33 years older than I was when I played at the young age of 20. So uh, life is uh, slower. It is uh, softer, thank God. <laughs> and it's challenging, but in a different way. I don't get hurt as much in the kitchens of my restaurants as I do on the field of football. And for that, I am thankful at the age of 56. What's interesting about this year is it's, it's my number. I'm the big 56. I'm 56 years old this year. So first half of 56, kind of challenging. Second half, January to August is going to be unbelievably stellar. 
That's the attitude you have to have. That's exactly why we got you here. We got the upbeat attitude heading into an important game Sunday for the Dolphins up in Buffalo. And, you know, it's to me, John, as a Dolphins fan lifelong, I wasn't really, you know, privy to the 80s rivalry with the Jets or maybe the Patriots, you know, the Patriots now coming in later into the fold. But in the 1990s, it was the Buffalo Bills. And so I just want to first start off here with what do you remember most about those trips up to Buffalo, the games on the road in Buffalo? Yeah, so first of all, let me tell you that I I absolutely respected the Buffalo Bills, the organization, the talent they had, um, the offense and the defense, but the offense, Jim Kelly, unbelievable offensive line, Terman Thomas, um, great receivers. So when we went up to Buffalo, there were two parts. There was the fan experience and the field experience, all right? First of all, the fan experience was unbelievably, <laughs> unbelievably Buffalo. Let's just say that. <laughs> I'm not hopefully going to be heard in Buffalo on this interview, this podcast. So, but, but you never know, right? Uh, but I, I tell you, when I would go up to Buffalo, I would see things I hadn't seen before. And I grew up in Wisconsin, so I can kind of consider myself a northerner. <laughs> but, um, you know, let's say that uh, the women, uh, they were as uh, aggressive a fan as I've ever seen in the NFL. And uh, oftentimes, I mean, I remember bus rides to and from the stadium uh, where I saw things I probably shouldn't have seen. I wouldn't want to <laughs> see again in Buffalo. Uh, <laughs> that's being very nice. Sure. I'm being nice. Um I remember going onto the field for pregame warmups. It, the, the stadium was so close to the players, and it still is. You you literally were practicing and hitting and doing things in pregame warmups, you know, five feet away from the fans that were either spitting on you, throwing things at you, or showing things you don't want to see. So it was an, a crazy environment to play football in. You had the cold weather. You had uh, just the fall feel. Uh, of Buffalo and and then the fan experience and, and you walk away saying, ooh, you either love that or get intimidated by it. Certainly it was entertaining. Um, the field experience <laughs> wasn't as entertaining for us. However, we did do amazingly well a couple games in Buffalo. Uh, Buffalo had an amazing team, just an amazing team. They went to the Super Bowl four years in a row when I played. And all four of those years, I thought they were the best team in the league, and they didn't win one game in the Super Bowl. They should have. They had an unbelievable team, and uh, they put together, through Jim Kelly and the no-huddle offense, uh, such an effective offense that from a defensive player's perspective, if you weren't on the top of your game, you were going to get shredded. Um, So, you know, when it got to the field time, uniquely and unusually we had some great games in buffalo Uh, i remember uh, two years in a row we beat them soundly in buffalo Uh, games that we were expected to lose we won and surprised people our defense came alive i remember a hundred yard return i don't know i'm exaggerating maybe by louis oliver in one of those games brian cox alongside me was just fun to play with and although they were so explosive and potentially damaging to us, we put together a package that I kind of think threw them off. We put together a new defensive scheme that they hadn't seen before. 
I think it was very effective with the talent that we had on our team. And we caught them by surprise. Typically, if I remember correctly, the, the first game in the series, the second game in the series down in Miami, I don't remember having such great success. And the third game for a couple of years, uh, sadly in the playoffs, we didn't have the success we would have loved. And, um, you know, I look at those years as the prime years for Dan Marino in the offense. And uh, as challenging or as talented as that offense was for the Miami Dolphins, uh, the Buffalo Bills knew how to keep Dan off the field and their team on the field. And sadly, I think, you know, both those games, I would have loved to have won, but we didn't. And uh, that was the end of our playoff experience in my career. Those are the two years we got to the playoffs. 90, I think they were 90 and 92. Yeah, they, they were, they were. And you had, you had mentioned that you guys kind of caught them off guard there a couple of times. I'm wondering like, cause you guys play each other so much and in the playoffs again, you know, those three games a season, sometimes I have to imagine it's, it's pretty hard to have, to have mystery between the two of the, those two teams. Like, was it one of those cases of like, we knew what, we know what you're going to do. You know what we're going to do. And it's just best man wins type of deal. Well, to some degree. Yes. But I mean, like, I think both years, quite honestly, we put together a defensive package that kind of caught them off guard. Uh, they were prepared for it the second time, and they were probably fine-tuned by the third time so that <laughs> the first games of those years we won and the second and the third games of those years we didn't. But, you know, I, I do feel like our defense just wasn't up to their offense, although we every year, don't forget, now we brought in new talent that, you know, I remember Brian Cox was a very talented player. He comes into our system. We put a, together a package that surprises them with new talent. And I think we we were fortunate to soundly defeat them up in Buffalo. But as the year went on and they prepared for us and knowing what we were coming with, uh, you know, they got the better of us. And quite honestly, not as an offense, but as a defense and a total team, uh, uh, you know, they were better than us. And, and in that 1990 season, you had mentioned to me off air that you played in the the week 15 game that was right before the season finale. And then you go back in the playoffs and you didn't play in that game. Does that, yeah. do you ever think about that, John? Like, what if I could have yeah. been out there for that game? Like, how does that kind of stick with you? So, yeah, it sticks with me, not in a really sweetful way. Sure. <laughs> because in my prime of my career, uh, my fifth year in the NFL, I was fortunate to be all pro and um uh, Pro Bowl, and I, I just had a great year leading up to that playoff game. That playoff game, previous playoff game, I think it was against Kansas City, but whatever, the game before, I just uh, tore up my ankle and I couldn't play. So in 1990, we had a great team. We were prepared and ready, and I couldn't play in the biggest game of the year. The I think it was maybe – I don't know. It could have been a wild card game, but it was against Buffalo and we got beat up in Buffalo. And then the second time in the playoff game against Buffalo was 92. Uh, another, you know, great year for me, but I wasn't able to play in the playoff game because of my health, as my health started fading away in the last couple of years. So both of those unbelievably special games, uh, you know, the defensive captain, the leader, um, the player who was at his peak, except for a couple games when I couldn't play, uh, they were the Buffalo Bills games. So I've, I feel like I let not only let the team down, I let myself down because I wanted to play in the big games and I wasn't able to. 
Yeah, because you guys allow them to just, or hold them rather, to just 24 points in that Week 15 game. They come back and score 40 in the postseason. I have to imagine not having your defensive captain out there. I mean, it's a big deal. It's a big deal in 1990. It's a big deal in 2020. So uh, mm-hmm. like, I can just imagine how, how that ate at you and at the time, and, and I'm sure your teammates as well, that you weren't able to be out there. But, you know, you mentioned... Well, thank you for reminding me again, Travis. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, this, the I get reminded half. of that often. <laughs> <laughs> uh, too good, John. Too good. You, you did mention something earlier about kind of their up tempo and aggressive attack. And the, a couple of the notes I read was they would come out to these these early seven zero starts. They would march down the field. What was it about their offense that gave opposing defenses so much challenges at the, in those you know four Super Bowl year runs they had? Yeah. So Jim Kelly and there's they they kind of had a spread offense before there was a spread offense, and they could take their. Uh, Thurman Thomas and make him a receiver in a second. And uh, defenses weren't prepared for that. We were still in our base defense, and all of a sudden, you know, me and the other linebackers are covering Thurman Thomas uh, in a slot position. I'm like, gosh, I've never been on this far away from the ball in my life. So, you know, it, it definitely put pressure on players who um, weren't used to being in that situation. And then if you, if you brought in a strong safety or any type of slot uh, defender, uh, they would just run the ball so effectively up the middle. So uh, it, I, I do want to give credit where it's due. And they had a player, like people ask me, John, who was the best running back? John, who was the best lineman? Um, Thurman Thomas was definitely one of the best top five running backs I went up against. But they had an offensive lineman, Jim Richter, who I just respected uh, so much. Uh, he was by far the best the best run blocker in the league, the best run blocker I ever played against. And we, I mean, I remember going to games and just saying, this is a war against one person, Jim Richter, you know, and he just (laughs) happens to wear Buffalo Bills hat. But I mean, that was the kind of respect I had uh, for him as an individual. And it goes past him to the team, but you know, that type of talent, where you can say the best player I ever played up against in in a run defense was uh, a player against a um, you know a divisional opponent, the Buffalo Bills. That kind of shows you the talent of the team too, because boy, if he's the best player, then you got Jim Kelly, you got Andre Reid, you know, <laughs> Thurman Thomas. Uh, it just goes on and on, and you, you just realize that this day you better show up to play. Yeah, an embarrassment of riches on the offensive side of the football there. And you mentioned that you know they were this team that was a little bit more modern of, ahead of their time as far as the spread out attack when you would have yeah. teams that were in base defenses to, to defend a fullback and a running back because that's when two back sets were those were prevalent. That was a common thing. Now it's obviously changed a lot. So I'm wondering because you know uh, talking about modern day football teams talk about or at least maybe media and analysts and that type of thing talk about how you have to play to win your division you have to be able to beat the teams in your division to get to the playoffs that's how you make a run to the super bowl did you guys go into off-season workouts or off-season programs or into training camp saying we got to find a way to beat those buffalo bills like was that something you thought about or was it just they're another one of the 16 teams in the schedule well you know divisional opponents um and highly talented divisional opponents become uh, certainly on the top of the priority list for players. But you know, I think that uh, ends up being more of coaching and drafting and free agency and who are we, we going to bring on our team that twice a year can defend or perform against uh, the Buffalo Bills. So, you know, I left that up to the coaches and the personnel directors. But as a player, you know, certainly 
those games, you know, become important. It was kind of funny. I, I'm, I'm wandering now, but my son and I were talking about football and how you looked at the preparation and the performance of a game. And I am the, I'm one of, I, I fall into the slot that I prepared for every game. Like it was life or death. It was a war. I had to de- uh, defeat my player in front of me, be a part of the team, lead the team towards victory. And I, I quite honestly, I, I think I did that 99 to 100% regardless of who I played. Now, on the flip side, you know, the 99% might be, you know, a team that you might take advantage of. Sure. <laughs> uh, the 100% might be the Buffalo Bills. Uh, there is always an enlightened mindset and, you know, adrenaline that comes along with the game that matters. And, uh, you know, not only do you prepare for it more maybe during the week, but at come game time, you know, you're just that much more alert of the unbelievable importance of this game. And, uh, you know, to me, that that's acceptable. I don't, you know, <laughs> I, I'd like to think I'm a great player every game. And I uh, prepare equally, but let's not, you know, let's not fool ourselves. I only give myself a one set, one percentage point advantage for a game against the Buffalo Bills. And probably Buffalo would be the number one team in my era that I felt that extra one percent. That's that's a really cool inside note, and I'm sure for a professional athlete, you know, a, a highly tuned machine as far as your body goes and all the preparation that goes into that. I mean, I'm sure that 1% is, is considerable, especially more so than the regular person who would have that same analogy. So I'm sure that that ramp up, it, it matters, and you can definitely see the way it plays out on the field. So we talked, John, a little bit earlier about how you, you missed some of the games up in Buffalo in your career, but you did make seven trips to Buffalo in your eight-year career, missed a couple a playoff game or two and a couple of regular season games up there as well. Do you, you mentioned the drive-in. You mentioned uh, you told me a story off the air about a flag that hit you. Um, do you have a favorite moment in your Dolphins-Buffalo rivalry when you went to Buffalo, the road games? Yeah, so I um, I do. I do. I have a, a bunch, you know, I have a photo in my <laughs> in my office at home, that is a, uh, hmm, how do I say? Well, it's a photo of a lifetime, I think, because I was walking into the Buffalo Bills stadium right behind Brian Cox. And that, that moment is frozen and infamy because Brian was talking to the crowd with his middle finger up. (laughs) And I I I was in the background, just looking at him going, what are you doing? And then somebody took a photo of that and it just cracks me up every time I look at it because it's, it's, it kind of, I want to give Brian Cox where the credit that he deserves. He took football to another level that I, I wasn't used to. And it was a little bit more emotional than for me, than me, than me. I mean, for me, I wasn't as emotional. He, he was, a very emotional player and he shared that emotion with the buffalo bill fans and it was just great to be behind him that moment to just get in the picture with that middle finger now i don't i don't want to put the middle finger up to buffalo because i absolutely i want to respect them and love them but uh i played in a game there there that thurman thomas spread out a little bit i had to cover him in a man-to-man 
uh, didn't really like to be in a man-to-man situation at any time in the NFL, but especially against Thurman Thomas, yeah. right? So Thurman <laughs> Thomas, the ball's high. Thurman Thomas goes up our sideline, kind of jukes me, goes up our sideline, and, and I'm in a trail technique about 10 yards behind him. And so, <laughs> so anyways, Jim Kelly throws the ball, and as I'm chasing Thurman Thomas up the sideline, and uh, I know he's going to catch the ball, I see Coach Shula. And he's on the sideline and he, you know, he and I, I, for whatever reason, I feel like I see his face and he's not too happy at me, but little did I know the next second I fall on the ground in excruciating pain. And I look up and, you know, thankfully Louis Oliver probably tackled them for a 10, 15 yard gain. And I look up and coach Shula has kind of got a smile on his face and he's laughing a little bit. And I'm like, Oh my God, I'm going to get chewed out by Coach Shula, but he's laughing. And I'm, I'm in excruciating pain. I look down and there's a yellow flag between my legs. <laughs> I couldn't believe what happened. I'm like, what the heck do I have a yellow flag between my legs? And the film the next day proved it. The, the ref <laughs> threw it like a 50 yard pass. That thing came wailing across the field and hit me right where the sun doesn't shine. <laughs> As I'm chasing Thurman Thomas in a trail technique, and I fall in front of Coach Shula's feet, and I look up, and he's laughing at me. And I, you know, I use that as a, an example for my kids and others that says, in life as in football, you better watch out. You got to keep your eyes and your head on a swivel yes. because flags from left field are going to come at you right when you're, you're not expecting it. And thankfully, in, in, in my life, I've had good coaches who can actually laugh at something like that in the midst of getting, you know, bottom line, I got beat. So keep your eyes open, your head on a swivel, you better watch out. I can't help but think of the Forrest Gump story when he said it it felt like a dog jump up and bit him in the backside there. That's kind of what that reminds me of, you telling that story there. But um, that's great, John. That's great. He was an all-pro in 1990, spent all eight of his NFL years here with the Miami Dolphins. John Offerdahl, thank you so much for your time today, sir. We really appreciate it. Uh, well, I appreciate being on the podcast with you, Travis, and go Fins! Fins up. Hey, you mentioned Brian Cox. Uh, we have uh, we had him on the Fish Tank, our other podcast here on the network, on Tuesday. That's available, and I'm sure you would love to hear that. Uh, can you shoot me a link? Definitely. 100%. I'm on. Me and Brian. Yo, bring <laughs> yes. us back. You heard it here first, folks. John Offerdahl, Fins up. Let's see you guys on Sunday. Take down the Buffalo Bills. John, thank you again, sir. Excellent. Thanks, Travis. And away he goes, John Offerdahl. That's going to finish up our Friday edition here of the Drive Time Podcast, our first podcast of the new year. We'll see you guys back here on Sunday for the recap podcast. Do not miss that. Also check out today's top news story up on MiamiDolphins.com as well as all the content through the course of the week for week 17. Until next time, that's going to be my time. You all, please be sure to subscribe, rate, review the podcast. Check out the Fish Tank. Check out the Audible. Follow me on Twitter at WingfieldNFL. Follow the team at Miami Dolphins, and of course, last but not least, MiamiDolphins.com. Until next time, until Sunday, fins up.